This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode, what, I don't know, 235 maybe? I have no idea. No, 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 it is actually episode 235. I'm putting out so many lately, it's really hard to keep track. And tonight... It is day nine of the countdown to Halloween marathon for eight days and for eight nights. I have been bringing you an episode a day, and this will continue until the night of nights. Halloween is upon us, and I am doing this to raise funds for new alternatives to help keep homeless LGBT kids off the street, get them off the street, not just for tonight, but for good, but for life. And I have very exciting guests today. Okay, calm down. Not that all of my guests are not exciting. They wouldn't be on the show if they weren't. But these guys are the first representatives in the podcast of the next generation of gay horror podcasters. My mini-me's, if you will. They are fledgling podcasters who blew my mind enough to make me want them on the show. And also, two guys who stepped up to the plate at the last minute to fill a void. Not that void. You behave yourselves. I'm talking about, I had trouble scheduling this slot with the original guests and these guys stepped up to the plate at the absolute last minute and helped out and for that my hats are off to them they are two guys who like their beer cold their movies scary and their homosexuals flaming i am talking about the film flamers also known as Chris and Robert, and they are here today to talk about another movie that took the slasher movie and turned it on its head. Bounce it up and down for a while. We're talking about the flip side of Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. We are talking about The Final Girls. Now, before we do that, we've got business to attend to. Let me say, guys and gals, my beloved listeners, And those of you who I probably just misgendered because I'm old and I get confused. I'm sorry. And today's not a good day for clarity because guess what, kids? I'm getting sick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I started to feel it last night. Yeah, I'm exhausted. And I'm taking vitamins. And I'm doing my best not to get sick. But last night, you might remember... On the Don't Go to Sleep episode, Brian Norton said that they were doing this whole sleepaway camp thing with 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 the aunt, the crazy aunt, 
you can have the whole bag that once they were going to be at the rock bar and I wanted to go I got there and by the time I got there I was so exhausted I had to turn around and come back home and that was a real bummer because there's lots of people that I wanted to talk to because that's also where I'm doing my first live show which coincidentally is also about sleepaway camps so they're having two sleepaway camp events in the month but am I worried about that right now no I can't Alan wrote I read into Alan Roe Kelly one of the directors from uh, Tales of Poe back from day one of this potathon on the street and I was like oh I was I'd already given up was going home and I ran into Alan on the street and he's like oh Patrick am I going the right way I'm like yes well why are you going that way said because I'm doing a potathon and I'm exhausted and he's just like, oh, and by the way, Alan looked fabulous because Alan always looks fabulous. I mean, I'm just so jealous. He's, he's out there serving 1940s, you know, Hollywood glamour. And I'm like slithering down the street like a puddle of vomit. Well, I don't know if puddle of vomit slither, but anyway, I'm sick and my migraines are starting, but there's no rest for me. I committed to this and I am going to have to push through. I can't let the kids at New Alternatives down. And if you've been listening to this since the beginning, you're going to have to bear with me because we're going to have to review these stats over and over again for the people who were new so that they understand that homelessness among the LGBT teenage population is at epidemic proportions. In a normal population... LGBT people represent 10% of the population. One in 10 people approximately identify as LGBT. But when you look at the gay homeless population, I'm sorry, I can't just say LGBT over and over again. It's a mouthful. I'm sorry, but you know what I mean. The rainbow population of teenage homeless kids, it's 40%, four in 10. That's four times the population the general population all of a sudden is home. The, the, the numbers are very skewed. And the problem doesn't end there because LGBT homeless youths are also disproportionately likely to remain homeless due to the overt discrimination when they're seeking alternative housing. There is widespread discrimination in federally funded institutions. And that frequently contributes to the growing weight of homelessness among the LGBT youth. Okay? These programs are not designed, many of them, for LGBT kids. And not only are they are not designed for them, they don't want them there. And once they're homeless, these kids experience greater physical and sexual exploitations than their heterosexual counterparts and that's insane it's insane there are currently no federal programs specifically designed to deal with gay and transgender transgender homeless youths none and there are no protections in place to keep these kids from being discriminated against while they're accessing the programs that are federally funded. 
so you can get in them, but you can be discriminated against because of who you are, and there's nothing you can do about it. And under this administration, that is not going to be getting better. So that is why we need independent places like new alternatives that are maybe a bit smaller, but you get more personalized service and you are not bound by the chains that government funding will put on you, so to speak. And that is where you can help. You can go to http colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash sq and make a donation. I am giving you 21 shows in 21 days. For a solo podcaster, this is a monumental feat. I have been working on this since August pretty much nonstop. This has been my life's blood for months. And it's all coming to you in 21 days. And for that, I am asking $21. Not for me. Don't give it to me. Give it to them. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash SQ. I know a lot of people are going to see Halloween today. The new Halloween movie is coming out today. Cool. At the end of the day, how much did you spend on your ticket and the popcorn and the soda? Was it more than $21? Did you need to see that movie today? Yeah, I understand your heart fan. You did. I need to see it today. I'm seeing it as well. My ticket is $26. So if you were seeing it with me in Manhattan, for less than the cost of that, you could be helping these kids. And be listening to the rest of the Potathon with a sense of pride about what you've done. Those of you who've donated should be very proud. I'm proud of you. And don't wait. Don't wait. It's getting cold. The money you donate today will be used today. It's not sitting in a bank. It's going right to them. It's helping them right now. So it's getting to work immediately. So, um, yeah. I've got some people to thank. I have got some people to thank for their donations. And here's the thing. Um, I don't get the full information about who donated what. I mean, I do see who donated, and I get an approximate of what they donated because the service, unlike the one that New Alternatives was using last year, this service is taking a cut. So I'm seeing your donation with the cut. So I'm kind of approximating on how much that you gave. So, first of all, I would like to thank Andrew Huff, one of the hosts of the Friday the 13th podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for your donation. You're still in my will, boo. Yeah, all those other little gay horror podcasters, they are cut out. You are the only one who is getting any of my money when I pass on my tiara when I retire. It's just you. It's just you. Oh, and maybe Vanessa McEnery. Yeah. Yeah. But before we move on to Vanessa, I also want to say thank you to Andrew Huff. Andrew Huff stepped up very early on in this process. He helped me when I needed to put something pretty together for the schedule. 
that I could put up and say, this is what we're doing for the next 21 days. It's all set in stone. And so thank you, Andrew Huff, for doing that. And thank you for your donation. You're my favorite child. Except for Vanessa McGannery. Vanessa McGannery, who you just heard on, I think, day four of this with her wonderful, wonderful discussion about The Witch. I've gotten several people, Vanessa, who's saying that you've changed their minds somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, that they're seeing the movie in a somewhat different light, and that's a great thing. And you know what's an even better thing? Vanessa donated over $100 today. Vanessa! Oh my gosh, I owe you a drink at Marie's Crisis next time I see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are fabulous. You are fabulous. And also, oh, looky, there's Mr. Brad. Mr. Brad donated more than $50. Wow, thank you, Bradford. That is really cool of you. Yeah. Um, um. And he sent a message to said, Patrick, thank you for reminding all of us that being a gay teen and coming out is tough. And losing family support, housing, and bullying make it truly frightening. Yep, Brad knows. Brad knows too. Brad's been there. So thank you, Bradford. And the biggest thank you, I mean, Michael Carr. Michael Carr, who... Do you remember a couple episodes ago when we were talking about uh, Don't Go to Sleep and Valerie Harper and how we saw her in a play about Tallulah Bankhead? I took Michael Carr to see that because he's obsessed with Tallulah and Valerie Harper. And Michael Carr stepped up and donated over $220 and thanks me for giving voice to the challenges of LGBT homeless youths and rallying people to help. Wow. Michael, that is... um, a huge donation, overwhelming, and thank you. Thank you. So the total that we are sitting at right now is about $750. Like I said, I don't have the exact number because they're taking out the, 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 the their cut. The service is taking out their cut. So I'm guessing it's about $750. It's telling me $711. i am guessing that's $750. But they're not counting it towards the $2,500. But we are doing well. This was a good day. This is a good day, and I'm proud of all of you who have stepped up and donated. So thank you. All right. Let's switch gears now, and we are going to bring on the boys from the film Flamers, and we are going to talk about the final girls. But before we do, I have to apologize because, like I said, I was in a state at this point because initially my guests for this segment were supposed to be the horror himbo himself, Joe Zazzo, and Jason Romas from the rock bar and we just could not get our schedules together these three people were very difficult to put together in one space at one time and eventually i just said i'm gonna have to drop this segment or do it by myself and i was panicking a bit and the boys from the film flamers stepped right up to the plate as a result I was running like a crazy person. It was done in a matter of hours. So I had to watch the movie and set up everything with them on Zoom. And as a result, as I said in this discussion with them, when they were calling to record the segment, closing credits were rolling on the final girls. I had just finished the movie. And as a result, I didn't set up my sound properly. The whole point of me using Zoom is to make everybody sound like they're in the same room. And the boys sound like they're in my house, and I sound like I'm talking from the bottom of the fish tank. But there's nothing I can do about that now, and 
it's still listenable, and the boys do a great job. So after the show, be sure to check them out because they do a great show, and I'm rambling, and oh my god, my head hurts. So without any further ado-do, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's talk about the final girls. Bloodbath is the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films. Max's mom plays Nancy, this shy girl next door. Nice legs, what time they open. It's cool you get to remember your mom this way. At least I get to see her on the anniversary of her death, even if she is being chased by a psycho. Somebody's coming. Hey, do you guys know the way to Camp Blue Finch? Tina. So we're in the movie. Hey. Oh, hi. What's your name? Max. Best summer ever! Anyone want to help me pick some strawberries? Nope, but I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. Oh, the writing is so bad. What is that noise? It's Billy. He's coming. Everyone who has sex in this movie dies. It's awesome. No sex. Wait, wait, wait. Selfie time. Okay. How do we get out of here? Movies like this end when the final girl kills the bad guy and the credits roll. That's all. That's the final girl. We just have to stay with her till the end of the movie. Oops. I don't know where they keep the hardware. I want chainsaws and big ass knives, and I want them now. Um, guys, what's happening? Why am I colorblind? Am I having a stroke? Or a flashback? I wonder if all this blood is just corn syrup, you know? Like these characters are walking around with just corn syrup in their veins. Oh, no. Oh, God, that's blood. I know in the movie you're supposed to die, but that doesn't mean you have to, right? What do we do now? We fight. beautiful streamers i don't know where we are in real time in the countdown to halloween marathon at this point because you know as you know i've recorded so much of it in advance with no idea when it's going to air we could be at the beginning we could be at the end who knows however this one fact became clear to me today that this is my final guest Post recording session. Yay! I got them all in. Hey, mine's out of the gutter. That's not what I meant. You know, that's not what I meant. So I'm here with my final girls. And that's double appropriate because the movie we're talking about is The Final Girls. So these guys are new to the podcasting scene, like little teeny tiny babies to the podcasting scene. But when I heard their show, they covered uh, Dario Argento's Suspiria. I was so impressed. I'm like, I must have them. I must have them now. 
I mentioned guests on the show too. Ha! So I am thrilled to present them to you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. They are the hosts of the Film Flavors podcast, Chris and Robert. Hey. Hey. Hi, guys. Hey. Fabulous introduction. I know. We're so happy to be here. Yes, we're very honored to be here. Well, you guys, like I said, before we started, you're saving my life twice over today. And by the way, and your hair looks fabulous today, both of you. Oh, thank you. That's the last compliment you will ever get from me, ever. (laughs) Before we go any further, why don't we take a few minutes just to let the audience know, who are you guys? And what goes on at the Film Flamers podcast? Well, uh, we are two gay friends who have shared a love of horror for for many years. And we just decided that we have so much to say about it that we just had to share it with the world at large. And so we started our podcast. Yeah. And as we like to say, no film is safe from dissection and laughs. Exactly. <laughs> nice. That, that, that's a nice, nice sentiment. I appreciate that. That works. Um, we enjoy it. Yeah. No, but I, 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 I was not kidding. When I told these guys how impressed I was, you, just, you guys know what a jaded old bitch I am, right? <laughs> <laughs> the whole all about Eve's scenario with someone younger and prettier coming up behind you and stares. You know, I mean, all of us have a little Eve Harrington going on. The, so new, it's okay. wave, the new wave of gay horror podcasts are here to oust you, you old queen. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's on your seatbelts. <laughs> you old proudest tiara from my cold dead hands. I know. <laughs> and that's why I've lured you today. Lured you here today to kill you. <laughs> but, no, your, your show was smart it was well researched funny you guys compliment each other beautifully your tech stuff was great i could not have been more impressed well thank you and, well, I and then, honestly I that's just that's how we talk in real life anyway so i mean i that's our conversation just and anyway. we just started trying to record them <laughs> yeah the thing that impressed me was like i said you guys are complimentary um i think robert you're the one who's more about the the directorial and the technical side of things and and Chris, he's more on the emotional and like the, 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 the pop side of things and the pop culture sides of things. But there were certain points where you would switch. Sure. And yeah, was, well, I mean, we, well, we learned from each other. It just happened. I'm like, these guys know each other so fucking well. They had no idea how in tune they are with each other. And it's wonderful. Now it'll never happen again because I jinxed it. Anyway, so that's the film. <laughs> we're not here to talk about you anymore. We're here to talk about the final girls. That's right. So since you guys are the guests you have a task to perform little oh. like a little hoop i make my guests jump through one of you can do it both of you can do it you can do it together i don't really care i Rob- nominate robert <laughs> well done chris well done chris do not even let the host finish his pitch before you throw your cards to the wolves that is how you survive this business <laughs> yep we have to rethink this collaboration. I mean, uh, <laughs> I will survive this. <laughs> yeah, so I need, well, now I, I was going to say one of you, but now I guess I need Robert to give me a nice, succinct, 30-second, back-of-the-DVD box cover plot summary of The Final Girls. Your 30 seconds starts now. A teenage girl still mourning the loss of her mother, is reunited with her when she and her friends are transported into the movie Camp Bloodbath, 
where they have to navigate the tricks, tropes, and rules of an 80s slasher movie in order to survive. You had that written out in advance, didn't you? No. Girl, I'm just that good. Girl, it sounded like you were reading. Nah. No. That's, that's, That's a neat trick. Acting, I fooled you. Yes, exactly. That's an 80s joke because you weren't alive then. So anyway, here we are. Well done. No, that was a good job. It pretty much summed it up. So I did not get to see this in the theaters. I don't remember why I didn't see it in the theaters. I think part of it is something that you're going to probably wrestle me to the carpet over and beat me up because everybody does. I cannot stand Tisa Formiga. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. I I love her so much. She's the most boring waste of space as an actor. I just, I love her face. And every time I see her face and her big eyes, I'm just like, just in the empty eyes, not making any choices. Oh, I look really bored, really disconnect. I can't stand her. I can't stand her. I'm like, I don't want to watch that. Oh, and it's PG 13. Oh, and the CGI. You know, I heard all of the, the buzz that the horror community was spewing. She's always kind of uh, annoyed me in American Horror Story, but actually, like, it took me a, f- a second to recognize her when I saw The Nun. I thought she did a pretty uh, damn good well, job. Well, for the first 10 minutes of it, when she actually had something to do. <laughs> and then they just forgot the story for a while and just yeah. had a long sequence of jump scares stitched together with no plot. I don't have much use for her, but she's uh, she does a good job. Now, I... I, I followed this movie and, and the horror rounds and online, and I really wanted to see it, but it didn't. It didn't play here in Texas. Uh, that um, might have been it too. It might have been. Like, I'll have to go to Brooklyn. <laughs> Never mind. Right. Well, and I wouldn't drive to the the smallest theater that would be playing it, like you know, hours away from me or anything. Yeah. But I, I was counting the days until it was on VOD, and the day that it was released on VOD, I I rented it and streamed it and loved it because it's sort of right up my horror alley there's so much like maudlin emotion and mixed in with like the this 80s slasher and i was like this is the perfect movie for me to watch nice nice when i finally did get to see it it, they were doing a screening of it at rock bar which by the way is where this countdown to halloween marathon ends we'll be doing my first live show there sleepaway camp and the guy who owns rock bar now jason uh ramos jason can't stand Malin Ackerman. Hates her oh, with the same that. passion that I hate Tissa Formiga. Oh, wow. And we both sat there waiting to hate them. Primed to hate them. And didn't hate them. That's well, right. So in the end, you loved them both? No, I mean, it, it wasn't long before I loved them both. I'm like, I'm really not finding anything to make fun of, and I'm hating you for that. Stop being good. <laughs> Stop being acceptable. <laughs> but even sitting in a bar watching it on these teeny tiny screens, it was a delight. Sure, there are problems with it. Agreed. Like, like there, it should have been rated R. There should have been boobs. There should have been, yeah, we, and it shouldn't have been any CGI. This is the words right out of my mouth. We watched it last night together, and I was just like, I would love this movie so much more if it were rated R. Keep all the familiar aspects between mother and daughter, but give me that 80s gore and just make it a hardcore movie and combine the two things and it would have been a perfect film and there's a story behind that too because i think it was uh the studio said okay well we're going to make it sony said we're going to make it Mm pg-13 the other option with the other uh studio was that they wanted to take out the entire emotional core with the mother so i'd rather the pg-13 than all of that emotional gore taken out absolutely absolutely and that's and that that's a tricky path to navigate too because, I mean, in 
lesser hands, the emotional stuff could have been way over the top ridiculous. It, it could have gone like a bad production of Steel Magnolias is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, bitch. I love Steel Magnolias though. I mean, come on. I love melodrama. <laughs> well, I did. I, that's why I said a bad version of it. Like the melodrama play too, the hill, but the, it is skillfully done and almost effortlessly, seemingly effortlessly done. I mean, I agree. I've, I'm Like I said, I've seen this movie four times now and I cry no less than like four to five times each viewing. Mm-hmm. It gets me, I think it, twice at least, it gets me twice. I think I, I might've cried more the first time because it was at a bar, so it had a few. <laughs> and I'm already, I'm already in my, my Lola in verse three of Copacabana mode. <laughs> it's a disco, but not for Patrick. <laughs> could still be a showgirl it's okay oh i have your permission yeah you're, i'm, I'm you, giving you right now thank you so much Eve. It's such a cool stamp <laughs> of approval <laughs> died in the war oh golly gee whiz the thing that also really works here too is the cast is great and the characters are great likable characters in a slasher movie hey isn't that a concept what? I know. Well, I mean, it's, and that's, that's what adds all the emotional depth to it, too. I mean, like, you're watching an, an 80s slasher movie or any slasher movie in general, and you're sort of, like, cheering for someone to die or waiting for the next death. Yeah. And this is one of those movies you're like, I don't really want any of them to die, even the characters that are supposed to be in the movie itself. I'm like, all of them should just stick around, and it would be a fun romp. Well, and so, it was. Yeah. It was really, really well cast. And I think the only person that they didn't get what they wanted was the original Paula, the original final girl, was supposed to be Chloe Savini. Oh yeah. Oh gross. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I would never I would never watch the movie then. Hello America. I'm Chloe Seven Yang. My attention that I love Bleach. <laughs> I was drinking a couple of it. Well, and it's such a small role anyway. I don't know why she would do that. I mean, like she she was already a big name actress by the time that this movie was made, and it would be like a tiny role for her. She would just get to be blown up in a car and that's her, you know, her thing. <laughs> yeah. right? some easy money. Oh, true. Monday day out, and you're gonna get pampered the shit out of you. If you're the big star coming in for two days, they're gonna bow to every every woman. Guaranteed, she's got lots of them. I don't. Just like, I don't, don't want to go to grocery store. I don't like her. She's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> the old queen has spoken. <laughs> I do not know that. That's interesting, because even the bitch character is lovable. Oh yeah. Uh, the the girl from the Vampire Diaries and Nina Dobrov is that yeah 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 I forget what the character Nina is the character Nina too Vicky Vicky okay I mean she's yeah. a bitch but she's not evil and you don't hate her for being a bitch but even then she's got that moment she's like okay this is why I do it well and she clearly has seen some movies because she's the only one who's like show me where the chainsaws are and show me all the sharp implements. Uh-huh. And like she's preparing herself, but also I love a bitch with a heart of gold, and I love a bitch who has an epiphany. Yeah, and she, oh, she does oh, all oh, 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 whipped out that epiphany. Oh, big words getting thrown at me all of a sudden. <laughs> I like that. I like my three dollar words. It's okay. <laughs> epiphany. Oh, I loved her last album. I gotta stay. That's <laughs> my daughter's name. I'm gonna have my own epiphany as soon as she shows up. I couldn't think of what to name her. It suddenly came to me in an epiphany, and I said, that's it. <laughs> Better than a mystique, I guess. <laughs> no, but she, she was a great character. Like, I, I really I really enjoyed her from the minute she pulled up in that car when they're standing outside the movie theater, and she's, like, uh, pining after her ex-boyfriend. I mean, like, she, she plays a bitch well. 
Well, at the same time, though, she had kind of had that as baggage coming in. It's like it, it just uh, the story kind of tells you that she was a mean girl, like a, a big bitch in like the background or whatever. But she never really was like a true bitch in the movie itself. Oh, no. And so that, that makes her a lot more likable. And they just like they had that already kind of established. So it would just like they could do that a lot sooner in the movie is to turn her character around. It just makes me so happy when I see likable characters coming back to horror because it's been so long, a cast full of despicable people that you don't even want to spend time with. It's, yeah, it's, I'm like, why are you, I, I watch a, I'm watching a movie, I'm going, why are you people hanging out with each other? You clearly all can't stand each other. <laughs> I think another piece of trivia that uh, we found out was that they, they filmed the Camp Bloodbath sequences almost in order. And then everything that happened in the, the start of the movie, the intro, they filmed afterward because they wanted those actors to bond together so they would seem like actual friends or people who knew each other instead of just like people in passing. Yeah. That paid off. Smart move. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it did, cause you, even though this universe only exists for 97 minutes. Right. The relationships are much stronger than that. That's actually an interesting point because the, uh, it was 97, 92 minutes uh, for the movie, but it was actually the movie itself uh, was 92 minutes. So the, the movie inside that. a movie was 92 minutes and the movie itself. So it's like meta at all levels. Well, yeah, I love they, the meta whenever movie. they're standing there when they first jump into the movie and they have no idea what's going on and that bus keeps coming back back and forth it's finally duncan who's all like he knows it's 92 minutes just wait and we have to do something at this point so they're yeah. learning sort of as a game as they go along yes yes and what i appreciated too there is not a lick of explanation for why this happened <laughs> oh yeah. yeah and they don't have to and it's it's so it's so great but again, yeah. a lesser movie would have bogged it down. But yeah, but I think this movie... Why. It doesn't it, matter. It, <laughs> oh, it's true. I mean, th- this movie knows its target audience. And so, like, we don't have to explain any sort of rules. The people who are watching this movie already have seen 80 slasher movies, and they've grown up with movies themselves. And so we can throw something as meta as this particular film, and we don't have to explain anything. And it really helps, like, the, the dialogue and the plot and everything move forward in such a way that we're not bogged down with all this explanation. Yeah, mm. and, that, and I think it would have hurt the movie to, to explain more because they, they get really, like, I guess, uh, meta or genre savvy and then that they start saying, okay, all right, do the voiceover so we get a flashback, you know? And they start using a flashback to, like, separate themselves. Yeah from the killer you know in which I, I feel like there's actually some some opportunities there that they had but oh yeah there were a few that they missed because i actually realized watching it this time that there was a point in the middle of the movie where they could have stopped the movie yeah twice they they witnessed the, the uh the backflash of uh billy uh yeah. getting uh you know basically being created by the bill uh the, by the bullies yeah and they could have stopped they didn't even attempt twice they watched this if and that firecracker doesn't get thrown there's no movie yeah, and they could have done a scene, you know, like a slow motion of the, the, the knife of the killer going towards them and then they like save Billy's younger self, you know, by like throwing the firecrackers somewhere else, you know, and saving his skin or whatever, so to speak. And, or I guess literally in this case. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and basically stopping the movie from happening. Well, they're just all sadists and that's <laughs> what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you've seen enough horror movies to like navigate your way through it. I mean, you're going to sit there and watch that happen anyway, right? Well, I have to forgive it anyway because, like, the emotional ending, like, they had to crescendo like that, you know, and that would have prevented that from happening. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also appreciated that nobody's death was a joke, even though it's a comedy. 
Well, I kind of. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think that Duncan's death was kind of a joke when he like survived the machete wound, yeah. <laughs> and he comes back and he gets hit by the car when Paula's driving it away. Right? He's like, "I'm alive! I'm alive!" And wow, he gets hit by that car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm also just thinking, like, immediately after that, there was the scene where they're all singing "Michael Rose the Boat," oh, yeah. and what's her name? What's her name? Uh, Aliyah Shawka. Aliyah Shawkat. Shawkat. It's sitting there going, "This is insane." Duncan is dead. She's oh, tr- trying not to cry. I'm like, this because this is insane. Yeah, oh, you're right. So normally somebody's death would be a joke and then he'd be forgotten about five seconds later. That's but true. Still emotional weight attached to that character. Yeah, we laughed. I did. Laughed, yeah, now that you you mentioned it, I did have that kind of reaction where I thought that, you know, that she should have that it should have been like uh maybe reminisced a little bit more where they kind of reacted a little bit more to his death but i know that's like such a fast-paced and weird environment you know they're like dorothy and oz kind of situation that everything's going so fast that they're like just trying to get get their like you know get their feeling for where they are and Mm -hmm. how everything works Mm-hmm. Well, because in a movie like that, if you were, if you yourself are transported into that movie, you don't have the time to stop and mourn somebody. You really have to move forward and pick your next plan of action, your battle. And also, um, that makes horror, you know, this kind of horror too real. Exactly. That's why you don't get funerals very often in horror movies. It's too real. No. That, well, that the whole makes- thing, I love the actual, the, all of those, the surreal aspect to it with all the fake flowers, kind of like, like the whole Oz motif again. And, uh, you know, like just like having all the lighting, every sky in the movie was digitally re- re- replaced depending on what was happening in the scene. Yeah. Um, everything was super surreal and it really just helps is like almost another character, the whole campground, the sky, the, the, the grounds, the flowers, everything that, was almost a whole another character. The in the movie. sequence when everything is surrounded in that creepy pink fog was brilliant. What a brilliant choice. And not one you would normally think of a picky pink for a horror movie. But it totally works. It's just so unnatural. Well, and that really works on an 80s level too because when you think about like all that hot pink, that neon pink in the background, it just makes it, it gives it a more 80s feel. Yeah, but yeah, you have to always pair the hot pink with the fluorescent green. I mean, like I have some in my work. You have to pair the hot pink with the fluorescent green or it wasn't the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) I was there, I know. (laughs) <laughs> um i there's another scene where they have some lighting um it's a, like the, the mother and daughter are talking in the bedroom creating those arrows out of tampons and <laughs> like there was some tarp in the background that gave this like really eerie blue glow mm-hmm. and it just reminded me of like a tanning bed and i was just like how more 80s lighting can this movie get i mean it's just it's fantastic i didn't catch that but good on good eye. well done well done the humor, I think, works really well, too. It's like, like I said, the, the death, nobody's death was a joke. The humor that never pulls you out of the movie like a Freddy Krueger punchline. Right. It's yeah. also nice, nicely in character-based humor rather than situational, which I appreciated the hell out of. I thought this movie was so damn smart. And I agree. I think I mean I, the, the the screenplay is so well written. I think that the dialogue is believable. I think the way they the, the acting is great. They they deliver it well, and it just you never stop to think that this movie is an actual horror movie and not a comedy. So I mean it it really played to its strengths. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, one of my beefs is that there is no way in hell that Camp Bloodbath could have afforded the rights to Hey Mickey. By Tony Basil. <laughs> no, that is no. why in all the 80s horror movies we get things like, I want to be 
You took convertible. I want to no, you don't get real songs in these horror movies. You get terrible things that we can make fun of on podcasts 30 years later. You don't get awesome songs. Was that the only song that they played in the actual movie was the Tony Basil Mickey? Because I know like Cruel Summer by Banana Rama's in there and then like Betty Davis Ice, but that's all after the fact, right? Uh, Betty Davis Ice plays during the end of the movie, but I don't think it's part of the movie. Right. Well, it is It is part of it the... Oh, yeah. It's it not part of the, uh, the 80s movie, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't in the actual the real world, yeah. Yeah. But Camp Bloodbath itself only had Mickey, and you're right. I mean, like... For the for its time, if it was so, Mickey came out in the early '80s, and this movie came out sort of like what, like early to mid '80s. Camp Bloodbath is what we're supposed to believe. Yeah, yeah, if, they so, yeah saying, no. if, they, if if tubular was accepted as a turn of phrase, that would have been 1984. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was there too, but I how old? I was like four years old in '84, but I'm pretty sure I said tubular. <laughs> I love that. Did we hear any music playing? Like, did they did they all hear the music? Just like because every time the killer would come come close, we'd hear the oh, and that's you know. So all the characters like, what is that? And they'd all hear the voiceover coming from the sky, you know, voice of God style, and they heard this the the you know sound effects of the killer like stomping on the ground, like bass, you know, like everyone heard all those things. Like it was just super meta. And that, yeah. that was one of my favorite things in the movie that made it so funny is that like when her mom was hearing her own voiceover when she was transported into the flashback and she's like, God, is that what I sound like? Uh-huh. Or when that car hit the title screen that said like summer 1957 and like <laughs> everything splattered and they, they hit Billy, the, the killer. Oh yeah, we get yeah. that beautiful slow motion scene where he's jumped, Billy's jumping out a window on fire and she's, what's happening? And she's like, it's slow motion. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I just sort of wish this sort of thing would happen to me. Like, I, w- I would love to be transported into that kind of environment. I mean, I don't, I'm not quite sure I would survive. You say that now. I know. Well, as soon as someone like and then when comes you're crying for us to let you out, we're like, "What do you want?" You said you wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I'm the kind of person in a slasher movie that would lead myself into the exact wrong place. <laughs> oh, I already know. I mean, I've already figured out. I'm the guy who gets everybody to the last reel and gets killed. Like, I'm the last I'm the one who gets killed saving everybody. That's, that's oh. I come up with I'm, a plan. Everybody else gets to execute it. Oh, I'm going to stick right by you. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 It's like this. Uh, what was neat, one of the other movies I'm covering in the Potathon is Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. I've never seen what, that. It's two sides of the same coin. And this kind of dissection of the slasher movie. This one literally thrusting you into it, in, into its roles, and the other one taking you outside. It's what's the word? What do they use on top? That's sir. Uh, that term they use in cooking when you take a dish. Deconstructed. Okay, yeah. It's a deconstructed horror movie, and it's brilliant. I'm just, adding just, it to my list right now. Just saying, I think it's on uh, Prime right now. If I'm not mistaken, okay. yeah. If not, I've got a copy for you that's completely 100% legal. Um, <laughs> it fell off the back of a truck when the movie theater was on fire at the beginning. This time around, I realized they don't just escape through the screen into the movie. They escape into Max's mom. 
Oh my god! They because they they, they jump through a hole in the screen that's in the middle of her chest. Really? So uh-huh. she like she because she had to do it too. She cut that hole right, so she yeah. cut a hole in her mom to do it. Yeah. Well, she did it at the exact same moment that the killer was doing his machete. I remember that. And so they had literally slashed at the same time. He was on screen slashing, and she slashed. So I don't know if right after that her mom was on screen or right before that. That's true. That whole like doing things at the same time. That's exactly what happened to Jodie Foster and her mom in Freaky Friday. So I believe everything. <laughs> I did not notice that before, but that's that's amazing. That's, that's some hardcore symbolism right there. I mean, like the nearest the nearest emergency exit may be located in your mom. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm. So, oh my god! I'm eating peanut butter. Oh my god! What's happening? Oh shit! Sorry, work. I got a Skype call in the middle of us. I haven't heard of Skype in so long. I didn't know what that was. But anyway, what was the thing? I was saying something really deeply important. About uh, cutting the hole in the screen? No, we're past that. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess it's, it's just lost for the ages now. I like that uh, those two actresses, Tysa Farmiga and uh, Malin Ackerman worked so well together. Like I, I completely believe that they were mother and daughter. They don't look alike by any means, but I mean, they, they really played off each other very well. The bond was there and the bond was strong and the bond is what held the movie together. Completely. And it could have strangled it in lesser hands. So well done there. Um, I also learned that gay men can't have babies because they're super <laughs> going to the disco. <laughs> and having sex with each other. It's actually a pretty cool lifestyle, Patrick. <laughs> if you haven't tried it yet, you might want to add that to your list of things to do. Well, apparently nobody gave me that memo, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it all wrong all these years. And I wish they still called it discos. So uh, it'd make it a whole lot more fun, I think. Well, it, it used to confuse me when I'd see older movies that took place in the 60s and people said they were going to a discotheque. Because discotheques existed before discos. But then when disco died, they pulled out the discotheques with them. It's a whole thing. It's a whole tragedy. They had to make a new word. Yeah. You can't call it that. That word's stupid now. Uh, So how do we feel about um, Gertie's brother, Duncan? Like, he's the one who sort of navigates everybody through the movie. He knows all the rules about being in a slasher movie. In fact, he knows this movie, like, line by line. Yeah, and that's that's why he has to be the first one out. That's right. He has to be the he first one to die. Knows, yeah, he knows too much because now the rest of the character, the rest of them are lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had to happen. You just see it. You just know that they really elongated that scene too, where he's just like standing in front of the killer. Look, the killer's not going to kill me. But you know, and it had to happen. It was inevitable. One of the things that I always think when I watch this movie is because uh, he says we're safe. He doesn't know what to do with us. He, he we're not part of the movie. But the minute he pulls his phone out to take a selfie, right? Yeah. And even though it's not actual film, right? That's the part that sort of like makes them a part of the movie. They become, you know, celluloid, if you, if you will, right, in a, in, a, in a digital sense. And that's what makes the killer come after them first. At least that's, that's what I thought. Okay, this is my brain right now. <laughs> oh, it makes, exploding. It makes them celluloid <laughs> in a digital sense. <laughs> I don't know. It just comes wow. out of my wheel sometimes. Wow. Wow, that was good. That was good. He's very good at his job. You're doing very well. I try. My mother comes out of me every now and then. Ah, 
<laughs> sometimes you have to go into your mother. Sometimes your mother comes out of you. What's happening? <laughs> yes, I did weep during the end scene. Not this time around because I was doing a million other things. But the fact that her mom, what's, what's her mom's name? Nancy. Well, her, her real name's Amanda. In the movie, it's Nancy. Nancy willingly goes to her death to save Max. But she goes willingly to her death with a smile and dancing. That's true. Such a powerful choice. Agreed. Uh, I, I do find it, so it a little troubling. Like, I'm sorry, yes. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to step over you. I, I find it a little troubling that, I mean, they, they've had so many conversations throughout the movie about, I mean, she's, Tessa Farmiga is trying to clue her in that she's her daughter. And this woman has no problems like doing a strip tease outside while her daughter's watching. And I was just like, eh. I mean, like at least face the other way and call the killer. Don't face your daughter with your bra out. That like, was a little <laughs> awkward. Like I was thinking that too. Like, I, I don't know. She was just doing this like the well, shirtless dance. But right after she girls. knows yeah. that she's the mother. Yeah. Clearly, I don't understand how it is for girls. I mean, everybody knows that you know, whenever girls are together, they take their tops off and talk about each other's boobs. Is that That's what horror movies have taught me. <laughs> <laughs> We're never privy to that information. I mean, my yeah. God. I just thought there was always pillow fights. <laughs> but they're there's, a, there's a movie I covered uh, called The Slashing. Uh, a slasher spoof that is actually quite funny. And it's, it's this ripoff of Slumber Party Massacre. And there's a scene where the killer is trying to look at the girls in the bedroom window. But they pulled down the blinds and like, all right, girls, time to take these tops off. And they just talk about each other's boobs like, wow, I can't believe four, eight pairs of perfect boobs right together. And who would have thought? <laughs> because that's apparently what girls do. I'm sure it happens in real life every day. Well, my, my friend, Emil, um, I can't even think of her name. She's such a good friend. Oh, Patrick is so tight. Elena Acker, world-famous actress Elena Acker, who did the Slumber Party Massacre movies here on the show. She did that she's like, I've learned so much about my own gender from watching this movie. <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, I didn't realize that's what we do. Like, <laughs> but now, now that you guys know, I'll have to kill you. <laughs> no one can be privy to this knowledge. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the amount of like horror callbacks in this movie is fantastic too. Just the fact that her mom's character's name in, in the in Camp Labeth is Nancy, so like calling back to Nightmare on Elm Street, and her friend Tina is another Nightmare on Elm Street reference is like amazing. Not to mention all the Friday the Thirteenth stuff going on, and, but, uh, yeah. and Tina's character, her whole character was kind of modeled after um, what's her face from Halloween that gets, gets killed for sleeping with her boyfriend. PJ Souls, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. totally. And uh, the, the, none, uh, sorry, I just want to say, well, you can continue on, but I just want to say none of that stuff is ever winking at the camera either. Oh, no, no, no. it's no. like it's straight faced. Yeah, that's just how you know it's like their their little love letter to slashers, the 80, you know, the 80 slasher movies. Exactly. So, I mean, you could be watching this movie and know nothing about it, but the, the, the people who know about it and sitting next to each other, like doing their little nudge, you know, it's mm-hmm. just fantastic. Uh, we watched this last night with, with my husband who hates hates horror movies. And by the end of it, when they show up in the, the hospital and it turns out they're in the sequel, my husband's like, oh, it's like Halloween too. And I have never been prouder of him in my life. I'm just <laughs> like, oh my God. That's right, honey. You're learning. Like, You're going to get an extra treat. You're almost a real person. <laughs> You're one of the weird kids now. <laughs> oh, he would wear that with pride, I'm sure. Nah, yeah. Yeah, but it makes me sad that so many of these horror movies 
smart, funny, well-produced, well-acted, just don't get released. I mean, outside of our circles, people don't know about them. It's true. I think that this movie could have made a lot of money at the movie theater. And the, I mean, its box office could have been big with word of mouth. I mean, at least I keep thinking that because that th same thing happened to trick our treat and a lot of other uh. movies that are just coming out. Uh, and I, I feel like that's almost like the future. The theaters are kind of going away and the streaming and, and direct releases are coming out. And so we just have this plethora and everything is going to rely on word of mouth and social. Yeah. Everything's going to, to just like just that social space. The no, the fact that trick or treat was never released properly is a crime. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Crime. totally. Like, uh, oh God. I, I used to live next door to Dylan Baker, who played the, the principal in it, and I used to see him out on the street. Be like, is that movie ever coming out, Dylan? He's like, no. <laughs> oh my God, and I'm sure he hated that shit too because he was so good in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, he was gold. If you can kill a kid in the first five minutes of your character being on screen, and I don't turn against you, good job, sir. Get yeah, that man yeah. an Oscar. Fuck that kid. <laughs> <laughs> he was a mean kid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think if I covered, uh, wrap it up on the movie, there's something I wanted to discuss a bit before we move on. This is the old queen realizing he is breaching across the generational gap. I know how it was for me. Growing up a gay horror movie fan, I had to hide everything like it was porn. Because if gay friends saw my movie collection, they'd be like, bleh, and they'd talk to me anymore. And they'd be like, well, where's your copy of Cabaret? Why don't you have that? I'm like, it's there. It's sandwiched in between child's play and, you know, thriller killer. And it was well, a dirty I think, secret. It was a dirty secret. Another closet to be in for a very long time. I just wonder how it was for you guys. I mean, I like most of my gay friends, aside from from Chris, don't don't like horror movies, mm -hmm. and I, I always have. And so when when I first found my my gay tribe in high school, um, they didn't really share that love. They they tolerated it. I mean, like I I graduated in '98, and so I mean, when we were in high school, we saw things like Scream, and I know last summer in the, in the movie theater, and they just, I mean. They liked it. We talked about it or whatever, but it wasn't until I became older and sort of met Chris that I could really explore that sort of like love of horror movies. Cool. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And two, I mean, like I've, I, I enjoy watching him see things that he hasn't seen before and like, like, you know, getting his visceral response from it. And I mean, it's just, it's really fun. And I, I think he agrees. Right? And yeah, I mean, uh, Rob's kind of like a, uh, a younger generation X and I'm an older millennial. We're right up at the, kind of on either side of that cusp there. And I grew up and I don't remember really anything, um, you know, any kind of vibe against horror movies or like I had to hide my feelings towards horror movies. Um, I, I know that like all, all my friends, if we could, if we could get the chance or get away with watching a horror movie, we could, but there'd always be those friends that would, you know, whine and scream about it and cover their eyes and ears. And that was just no fun. Why can't we watch when Harry met Sally again? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, and, and you I liked a lot of the movies that my gay friends liked too. I mean, I just like movies in general. And so uh, it, it, it wasn't hard for me to, to, to tailor my conversations to whatever they were watching. Uh, uh, blending, in, blending in, blending in, blending <laughs> in, passing. 
But I, I like um, on, on some of your episodes, you talk about going to see things in the movie theater, like, you know, like April Fool's Day and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents just didn't censor me whatsoever when I was growing up. And so I would go to the to the video store and I'm like, I want to rent this. And I would pick out like Night of the Demons or something like that. And they would have no problem with it. Right on. And so I really got to like, you know, shape who I am as a horror fan at a very early age without any repercussion. And I mean, it sort of shaped who I am, not only as a gay man, but also as a horror fan. That's cool. I like that story. Yeah, my, my family was all horror movie buffs as well, even though most of them wouldn't admit it. Like my mother was like, I don't like these movies. I don't like them. They're so scary. Yet she's the one begging me to watch something that I rented. Are you going to take it back and you play it for me? Oh, there are some times, I mean, my mother loves horror movies, and, like, if, if my husband won't go, I can always call on her or call on Chris to go see it, so, I mean, like, she, she's right there with me in the whole Yeah, country. it's one of the things that makes me sad is that my mom's too old for that now. You know, no. she's, she's in her 80s now. I'm not taking her to a horror movie, old woman. No. <laughs> my mom's in her 70s, so it takes a lot of... No, <laughs> although, if I want to move it takes a lot of convincing for Sorry? <laughs> it takes a lot of convincing for my mom to go. She's in her 70s. Uh, I remember as a kid just watching Scream. I think it was on like DirecTV or something. And uh, it had just been released on DirecTV, you know, satellite or whatever. And so she comes in and it's that first phone conversation with Drew Barrymore. And uh, and as soon as it's like, because I can see you or whatever. And my mom's like, nope, and just walks out. <laughs> she can't do it. <laughs> she said she couldn't take a shower for 20 years after uh, after watching Psycho. Mm. So. And that came out when she was 18. Um, God, to be cycle like that in the theater. Yeah, I, I, I probably, I think I've already told the story during the marathon, but I'm not sure. And I know I've told it on the, story, uh, the show before. I remember one night I watched Psycho at my, I was home from a tour, some theater tour. I had like six weeks before I left my job. My parents were somewhere. They weren't there. So I was just staying at their house and Psycho was on and I watched it. No big deal. The next day I was in the shower. And I'm thinking, wow, that movie scared a whole generation of people out of the shower the way Jaws scared people off the beach. Exactly. Halloween and Psycho and Jaws, uh, at one time, they were considered the scariest movies ever made. I was just pondering, you know, I I like to pick things apart, get into the psychology of things. You know, Janet Lee has admitted that to this day, she can't take a shower without the curtain and the door and the bathroom door open. She doesn't care how wet the floor gets. I cannot take, she couldn't take a shower that way. I'm just thinking, that's really strange. How about that? She's probably just afraid of Alfred Hitchcock popping around the curtain saying, act better. I know, good evening. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you naked too, Alfie? But no, um, I'm thinking, okay, that's really strange. And I stood there for a few more minutes. I'm thinking, although if someone was opening the door right now, I wouldn't hear it with the water running. Well, I'm and, too busy like singing to myself anyway. And I there's <laughs> nowhere to run in here because I'm walled in on three sides. And oh there's nothing to fight back with except the bottle of, you know, suave. And I'm naked. I cannot be more vulnerable. Fuck this, I'm out of the shower. I totally got it. <laughs> totally got it. No. And it made me happy. And that's okay, amazing boys. when things like that like pop into your head and you, you get why it's actually scary, right? For for like the masses of people who are scared by that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's situational. Yeah, it's, it's fun to step back from being a jaded old bitch every now and then. Yes, I just said that on tape. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I just said that on Maybe day I should one. try that myself. I don't okay, boys, this has been fabulous. I adore you both so much. I'm so happy. I, you guys have got a huge future ahead of you, and I think it's wonderful new voices. So remind everybody where they can find the film Flamers and where to find you guys on social media. Uh, you can find us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at The Film Flamers. And you can find all of our episodes uh, wherever you get your podcast or our website, which is filmflamers.com. Excellent. So, Chris, Robert, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for helping out the kids at New Alternatives. I cannot thank you enough for that. And just before you go, boys, one more thing I have to tell you. What's that? Happy Halloween! No! <laughs> Happy Halloween, Patrick. Hey! We had such a good time. So that is going to wrap another episode of the Pod of Thought Up. Thank you again to Chris and Robert from the Film Flamers for saving my hide and doing a fabulous job talking about the final girls. Please go check out their show. It's also fabulous. And, of course, thanking everybody who donated. And who everybody who's going to donate today, I'm thanking you in advance. And you can do that by going over to http colon slash slash fundraise dot dot org slash sq. Patrick, what are we doing tomorrow? Well, I've got two very special guests today, two brand new guests who I'm very excited about. I've got a fabulous actor, a friend of mine, Maya Murphy, who does all kinds of cool genre stuff, and you're going to love her. She's funny and she's vibrant. And also, I've got John, one of the hosts of Beyond the Box Set podcast, a British podcast, which is delightful. If you haven't heard them, their whole concept is they'll take a movie that doesn't have a sequel and write a sequel for it. It's tons of fun, and John is another fabulous out podcaster, and you'll love them both. And the movie that we are talking about, we're going all the way back to the 50s, man, to talk about some invaders from outer space, but not just any kind of invaders. We're talking about teenagers from outer space. That's the movie we're talking about. And the thing is, why did I pick this movie? Initially, I picked it because it's funny. It can't be funny. I did a screening of this over the summer. I did one of my double feature, uh, science fiction double feature screenings that I do. And I paired this with, I think, um, I, you know, it doesn't matter what I paired it with. But this one's funny because it's like, oh my gosh, it's so campy because it's so like really kind of gay. And we made fun of it because it was really kind of gay. But it turns out, just before I recorded this segment with Maya and John, when I did my homework... It is actually gay. And not only is it gay, it's got a tragic gay history. So while it's all funny to giggle at the movie, it's also a really sad representation of what it was like to be gay in America in a time that's not so long ago. So there's lessons to be learned as well underneath all the fun, much like the potathon itself. So... I still want to find out what you're doing this Halloween, kids. Or whatever Halloween. I'm not having one. This is my Halloween. It's a long, 
brutal, grueling Halloween, but what I'm doing now is going to be my Halloween. By the time the time comes around, I am not going to care. I'm not going to be able to watch anything scary or do anything. I'm going to be in a puddle for weeks just recuperating from all of this. So I want to find out what's going on with you. What cool things did you do this Halloween? Did you go to a haunted hayride? Did you go to a Halloween party where all of a sudden the guests started to disappear one by one? I don't know. Hey, do you like to decorate your house in cool ways? Are you like Darren and Betty? Hey, remember Betty and Darwood? Remember them? They're fabulous at decorating their house. And maybe you're like them. Maybe you should send me pictures of your house decorations. Maybe not from this year or from past years. If you have one year you're super proud of, I want to see it. Hey, do you got cool costumes? I want to see. Do you have cool costumes for your kids or your pets? I want to see them too, and I'm going to be posting them all on the Instagram page because I want to show the world how cool my listeners are. Because I know how cool you are, but the world needs to know. And I say, these are my screamers. These are cool people. And these are cool people who not only have fabulous taste in Halloween decorations and costumes, but they are also donors to new alternatives. So... Pick up your phone if you've got a story for me and call 917-720-2047 or you can email it to me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens. I am on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And of course, if you haven't donated already, please do so. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot newalternatives dot org. I'm sorry. Try that again. Fundraise dot newalternatives nyc dot org slash sq and, and donate. And if you have donated, share what we're doing here. My best advertisements are you is you uh, i don't know what what am I, I can't i can't do grammar right right now my head hurts but share what we're doing here tell people tell a friend who'd be sympathetic that this is not just your average podcast halloween season that we're trying to do something good for the world right now because the world is really an increasingly shitty place. And let's counteract some of that. Okay? Okay. Hey, if any of you are a blogger, think about doing a story about what we're doing here. That's a great way to get the word out too. If you want to talk to me about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and like do an interview, that would be cool also. Help me get the word out. There's only so much I can do. I'm doing all of this by myself. Yes, I mean, yes, I've got all these guests helping out. Yes, of course, but yes, but I who put them together? Who juggled the schedules? It's all me. It's all me. Me, 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 me. So <laughs> if you can help do anything to get the word out, that would be amazing. And if you want to watch Teenagers from Outer Space and play along at home, it is available on YouTube. So please do that. It's a fun little movie. It's terrible. It's a ridiculous movie. But if you watch it and recognize the gay shit that you think you're seeing, you are seeing it. It's there. And there's more than you think. 
and that it all ends in tragedy. You'll be all prepared for tomorrow. So until tomorrow, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place, but maybe make this Halloween a little less creepy for a bunch of homeless LGBT kins. Kins? Kins? Kids. Good Lord, I'm so tired. But I can't forget the Scream Queen's golden rule, can I? No, I made it up. I got to live by it. Patrick, you have got to remember, fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, baby. Migraines be damned. We got kids to save. Yes! All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches!